Hey guys, welcome to the newest episode of The Count Out. This is Nicole, one-third of Down for the Count podcast. And today I will be speaking to John Murray. John Murray is a TV um, personality and um, media influencer. And we will end up talking a little bit about everything from his relationship with um, a few WWE superstars and your favorite matches and kind of our hope for the future. So check this episode out. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hi guys, this is Nicole from Down for the Count and with me I have John Murray and if John, you want to introduce yourself to the audience. Hey, Nicole, it's good to be with you and, and the audience on Down With The Count. I'm John Murray. Uh, I'm a TV host, pop culture commentator, and I just happen to be a wrestling fan. <laughs> so I feel like that's a lot of us. I think that's the one weird thing about being a wrestling fan. Taken aback by it, like when you tell them, because I feel like we have so many different jobs and careers. And speaking of mine, because I work and I work within like, the casino and um, hotel industry and they're like, you're a wrestling fan. I'm like, yeah. And I get it all the time. Like when I talk about uh, my affinity for pro wrestling people, they're like, really? I haven't watched this since I was a kid. Then they start telling you about like how they grew up on Hulk Hogan and the Undertaker still wrestling. And then, you know, anytime I do like, you know, TV shows, I'm regularly like, you know, uh, HLN and CNN and, I've uh, been doing a lot of broadcast TV. I recently did ABC Live. And they see my professional wrestling collection of action figures behind me. And I know. So I was, all I was the- taking a peek in the back to see who's all back there. <laughs> you got that. You got my New Day lunchbox. And so people are always, the, the producers and the people off camera before I go live on TV are always like, oh, my God, you're a wrestling fan. I see your action figure collection. So it's it's funny. I love it. So speaking of... All, and, oh, and look, talk about this, Nicole. It's primarily the Wakanda section of action figures. I mean, you know, there's a little bit of everybody up there, but it's probably at least 70% African wrestlers up there. So, you know, I mean, listen, I'm a fan of everybody, but, you know, when it came to pro wrestling, you know, um, my grandmother uh, used to watch it, which is how I fell in love with it. Yeah. And... Uh, and so the first wrestler that I was a fan of was the Junkyard Dog because he looked like oh, me, wow. he looked like family, you know. And so growing up, I've always rooted for the black guys, even when they were always losing like Coco Beware um, and, you know, oh, and stuff like that. So even as an adult, um, I'm kind of still applying what, I, what everyone calls the Issa Rae rule. I'm rooting for everybody black. Um, you know, for the most part. Yes. But, uh, but I mean, I like wrestling as a general. I love uh, all the guys that are in the business. Uh, well, a lot of the guys that are in the business. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the top of my food chain is definitely the guys that kind of look like they could be related to you and I. Right. We have to root for everybody Black, especially right now. Um, we need to make sure we create or creating an avenue. And this is what um, Down for Account and We Love Wrestling, the group that I'm also part of, that's our goal is to showcase the diversity within the wrestling industry throughout all facets, whether it's um, wrestling in the ring or people ring announcing or people working backstage, promoters, costume designers, every single thing. Um, and even promotions, because my opinion, we need way more um, Black-owned, women-owned promotions, especially now, especially after 
this crazy weekend that's been going on. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, especially now, it's like we have to have to root for everyone black. And would it be cool like, if a black TV network did something like the Rhythm Rumble once a year or something? Yeah, and I always wonder, like, how come like BET or Channel One or something like, why don't we have a wrestling promotion on there? Like, especially with uh, Master P running Hog, I was like. Why don't you try to get on one of those show, like one of those stations? I think, I think it would take uh, somebody being a super fan like Tony Khan to work at a, either a network or a streaming platform to say, uh, "This is a money making franchise. Yeah, I want to put my dollars behind it because there's an audience for it." Uh, and until we get uh, somebody to do what Ice Cube did with the Big Three um, and what other guys have done when they realize there's a void in any form of athletics. Uh, uh, you know, oh, hell, it might be you and I. But let me yeah, tell you, if I, if I hit the power <laughs> ball tomorrow, this might, this might be a project that I bring you on. For, exactly. You know? And I, that's something I'm really passionate about. It's like, I feel like we really, we really need to have um, Black-owned promotions. Especially, like, I feel like this is now is a time for us, as everyone, to just start, okay, coming together. Uh, there's so many talented individuals out there within the wrestling industry that I feel like it could happen. And especially networks, I don't think black networks realize wrestling fans spend a lot of money. A lot of money. We don't care. We I like some. I think with the, you know, you know, with the top of the food chain, which is WWE, um, yeah. I think uh, African-American viewership makes up something like 25% of their overall audience. So we are a big component of their success. It's not by happenstance that you're seeing more and more wrestlers of color get the push there at that company. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we, we are a great consumer that people need to pay attention to. Exactly. And I, and that's why I a hundred percent agree. It's like, I don't think people realize how large black viewership is and how much we contribute to entertainment society in general. Absolutely. And I feel like that's a very mass overlook when people are worried about ratings and demographics and stuff. And I was like, I don't think they realize. I was like, you know how much, you know how much TV black moms watch, especially once they get past the age of 40. Yeah. They watch everything. My mom will call. She's like, you watch this. I'm like, no, I don't have time for like, where are you finding time to watch all this? So I think that's like, that's a missed market, but and even my mom, like, God bless her, I was watching SmackDown the other day, and she was like, for some reason, she thinks Randy Orton is not Randy Orton. Like, she always, because she was, like, looking at Seamus, and she's like, oh, that's that Irish guy. It's like, yeah, that's Seamus. And she's like, where's the guy with the hands? And I was like, what are you talking about? And then she, like, did the pose, and I was like, oh. I was like Randy Orton? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, God, mom. That's funny. But speaking of all of our love for wrestling, um, how, so, how, so, what essentially, what do you love about wrestling, or why do you love wrestling? Um, wrestling for me, uh, particularly in these times, uh, uh, it's been great escapism. So, you know, I grew up uh, as a fan. It's one of, um, you know, I was really young when my grandmother passed. So one of the only pivotal memories that I have of her, is, uh, she was a big wrestling fan, and we watched it together. Um, so that's a carryover from my childhood, my youth. Um, and then I stuck with wrestling all the way through the Monday Night Wars. You know, when I was in college, uh, my roommate Winston, uh, he and I both had our televisions. He had WWE on one, I have WCW on the other. His, his frat brothers from Alpha, <laughs> Alpha would come over and watch wrestling with us. It was Monday nights was, was a good time 
and a signature element of our college experience. And so, um, and then when I got into the entertainment industry, some, somewhere around uh, the mid to early 2000s, I was on the Tom Jordan Morning Show. I did six years on that show and I had a really successful column, which ultimately became like a daily content feed at AOL Black Voices. And I was doing like 100,000 frequent flyer miles a year. Like I, I basically had a wrestler schedule. I was always oh on the road because covering entertainment, but living in Washington, D.C. just required that I was always in a hotel and on the airplane. And so I kind of uh, uh, missed some of the, um, uh, the aggression, ruthless aggression era. Uh, a lot of that, I was late to learn about it. And so right around 2009, uh, uh, WWE did a cross promotion with The View. And at the time, one of my best friends, Sherry Shepard, was a co-host on The View. And so she showed up in WWE as a valet for MVP. And I remember that. I was like, that's the most random thing I've seen. Not as random as 112 performing at Teddy Long. Yeah, it was Teddy Long's um, wedding, which... I think is an important of black history within wrestling. So I would never get over that. I is still That's the most funny. hilarious thing. Yeah. So Sherry showed up, she inter uh, interfered in Dolph Ziggler's match and the MVP actually took her to the prom that she never got to go to because Aww. when she was growing up, she was a Jehovah's witness and they didn't believe in going to proms and things like that. And so, uh, and they showed that on the view. So I told her that she should invite MVP to come hang out with us at the BET awards. Because, uh, you know, it was such a good storyline. She was enjoying hanging around them. And so I knew that I was going to be hanging out with a professional wrestler. I knew that I was a fan that had kind of just uh, been detached from the product because work schedule just couldn't allow me to keep up. And yes. so I went on like a binge and started just trying to watch certain clips. And WWE was just starting to get into YouTube good at the time. So I started watching some YouTube stuff, started watching some of the Raw and SmackDown shows just so that I could have smart conversation with MVP at the awards. <laughs> and we met, we really hit it off. He was the coolest dude. We had a lot in common. And he really taught me a lot about the business. And so uh, preparing to hang out with him re-engaged me as a fan, but him teaching me about the business and how the business worked and some of the nuances of the business gave me an appreciation for what happens behind the curtain. So it really, in, it just in, engage me in a whole different way because now I have the dual appreciation both from the business of wrestling and the art of the presentation and so um and through him uh I started to meet other guys you know uh, MVP was my first wrestling friend because of him I met Shelton Benjamin uh Shelton, Shelton Benjamin introduced me to a, I, Shelton Benjamin introduced me to Ring of Honor I had never even seen the product because where oh, wow. I live it didn't air in, uh, on my cable tv uh, until maybe like a year after I went to a live show. So I went to a live show, found a black guy, sat next to him, was like, listen, I know Shelton Benjamin, Charlie Haas, and I was familiar <laughs> with Jay Lethal. Everybody else, I think Fit Finley was wrestling for them for a minute too at that time. Everybody yeah, that's else, when he was wrestling. Yeah, actually, tell me who they are. And so, you know, and then after the show, you know, uh, Jake Lethal wanted to meet me. He had tweeted about me. He, uh, someone told him I was in the audience. So I got backstage, I met him. Uh, <laughs> I became friends with Caprice Coleman. Like Shelton Benjamin literally walked me over to Caprice Coleman and said, uh, both of you go to church. Y'all should know each other. <laughs> and, and so it, was, you know, it, was, it was funny. So I mean, and so from there, like one by one, I started to meet, uh, you know, as they call each other, the boys and, and befriend these guys. And so not only was I a fan of, of both the, the product and the business of wrestling, 
But now these guys were becoming my friends. And, you know, and it's cool because I'm at a point now where I've been mentoring young wrestlers. Like, they meet me and just think I'm cool. And it's funny when people kind of, yeah, I'm still a fairly young guy. Like, yeah, same age as, like, Kofi Kingston. But it's nice when they talk to me like I'm an old head. Like, you know, and I guess when you're 23, 24, 28, you see somebody that's, you know, on that precipice of their late 30s, 40, and you're like, yeah, you know, you are OG. I'm not. Isn't really. that scary now? You think 60, about that. I think about that now, and I mean, I'm only 30, but I was like, I'm like slowly transitioning into like that auntie. Like I, I've been an aunt since I, it's, I've a kid, but I was like, no, I'm like, I'm really becoming like an auntie. Like, what the heck is going on over here? 55 is an auntie. That's auntie. Yeah. You might have auntie energy, but you ain't quite an auntie. No, not no. It's it's there. Them those kids spoiled. Gosh. God bless them. Really, God bless them. <laughs> but that's, and that's what I love about especially the entertainment industry in general. I feel like such a crossover and how intertwined it is with wrestling. And that's also something a lot of people don't realize. Like these people are legitimately acting while, you know, like wrestling about in the ring. And I feel like that's one thing that kind of gets lost. And I think it's weird when people are so shocked when these people are so, when wrestlers are so good at acting and able to transition to like being TV hosts and doing, and like actual entertainment positions also, what the heck do you think they've been doing for 20 yeah. years? I mean, and, and pro wrestling has launched some of the biggest stars in Hollywood. I mean, uh, be, before his uh, public racist rant, Hulk Hogan was a huge crossover star. And remember, yeah. during the, the era of Hulk Hogan, you saw guys like Mr. T. You saw Zeus, uh, which was Tiny Lister. Uh, there were so many Hollywood stars that were coming over into the world of wrestling. Later, you know, we saw in Michael Jordan's The Last Dance how uh, Dennis Rodman skipped out on a major game uh, to go and show up at a WCW match. So, like, you know, it, it just it's amazing the intertwined nature of entertainment and pro wrestling. But we wouldn't have The Rock if it wasn't for pro wrestling, you know? Yeah. You look at, uh, uh, what's his name? David, uh, uh, what's the actor's name who keeps wanting to wrestle? Uh, David Arquette. Yeah. You know, he did the movie and then he was a fan, so it worked out great for him. And now he's actually doing indie wrestling shows. So, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing that the worlds are so closely aligned. Yeah, I feel like they're just kind of like weird. It's like two sides of the same coin. Yeah. So that's why I get, and that's like, I know that's like the mark in me when I get a little bit upset when they're like, well, that's fake wrestling. I was like, no, I was like, what do you think people, they're, I was like, it's basically a movie, but three, 65 days out of the year and for two to three hours. I'm like, that's yeah. literally what it is, but it's live. They're, they're like the stuntmen who are actually the featured attraction yeah. instead of the stuntmen who are doing the, the stunt so that Tom Cruise looks good. Yeah, or the the one the stuff that they don't let Tom Cruise do since he's crazy and he just wants to do right, all right. of this. <laughs> so again, you say you've been a wrestling fan for for obviously since you're a kid. Um, has there been anything? Obviously, you talk about like you like stepping away because before college, and I think I went through the same thing too, where I didn't watch wrestling for a. I think for at least, I think the longest break I took like two years. It was like two years while I was in um, finishing college or that I didn't like 
consume any wrestling and this is indies in general but i did take a step from wwe for um i think for at least a while i miss and it was again a lot of the ruthless aggression era i missed like a lot and it was mostly a lot of the cm punk era like i came in at the very came back in the very tail end of that so you so, came back when he was a bona fide superstar. Yeah, he was already, I missed all of the stuff with him fighting with like the front, like him when he had his long hair and before he got the other tattoos out, I'm like, I completely missed that. We missed so, about the same era, absolutely. Yeah, so, so. you were in college during that time. I was in, out in the, the beginning of my entertainment career was kicking in the overdrive. So that was about the same time. And so maybe like 2007-ish. Yes. Yeah, so for me it was 2007 up until like 2000 and late mid 2009, which was when I was out of it. So maybe two and a half years. Yeah, so it was yeah. So I missed like a whole bunch, and then I rewalked that because someone I was dating at the time, he was like a huge CM Punk fan. I'm like, I don't get it, and I watched back, and I was like, I still don't get it. <laughs> but speaking. So I, this is one thing, especially when I talk to um, a lot of black wrestling fans that have been that been fans for such a long time. How like what did a Kofi winning the WWE championship meant to you personally? Uh, that meant a lot to me. So Kofi is one of the guys I'm actually friends with. Yeah. So I have the duality of having a friendship with somebody whose work I happen to be a fan of. So when I re-engaged back in 2009 in my preparation for hanging out with MVP, Kofi was just getting going good. And he was probably in that storyline, I think, with um, Randy Orton around the time. Yeah. And so I liked Kofi because he, uh, uh, his ring style reminded me of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat uh, in, yeah. in a lot of ways, a lot of the, you know, the off-the-top rope chop and a lot of that stuff. And, and Ricky... As a child, I remember, uh, you know, one of my favorite feuds was Ric Flair versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Like, I remember their hour-long matches and how they could just go. And so Kofi reminded me of, like, the black version of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And I liked him. I liked his vibe. Uh, I thought he was really creative. And so I was a fan. Um, uh, you know, I would get mad because they were having him lose a lot. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the first WWE t-shirt I ever ordered was a Kofi Kingston t-shirt. Oh, wow. And so, uh, it was funny because I was on um, uh, CNN one night and they were talking about uh, a Twitter beef with Chris Brown and CM Punk because CM Punk had kind of lashed out at Chris Brown because he was going through the whole domestic violence thing. And they had me come on to talk about it as an expert. And I wore a Kofi Kingston t-shirt under my blazer. And Joylyn Johnson, who is an entertainment executive at WWE, who I met the same time I met MVP, an amazing woman who's been really good at helping me build relationship with WWE as well. Um, I guess she made Kofi aware that I had wore this shirt on CNN. Yeah. So he ended up following me on Twitter and we just slowly started building a relationship. And so I remember where he was maybe three years prior to winning the championship when, you know, the whole New Day thing wasn't working and he was really concerned where he stood uh, in, with the company. And I'm not sharing anything that was just private because he's talked about all of this publicly. But we actually had dinner here in D.C. after the show. And Kobe had got me tickets for the show. He was on the dark match that didn't air on television. And uh, they were probably the worst tickets I'd ever had to a WWE show. I had never been 
to the nosebleeds of that arena before. Oh, and, that was me as a kid all, all day, all day at the, at the, under, at the queue. It's not the gun arena anymore at the queue. <laughs> yeah, so I took my, my, my homeboy Kenny with me, who often goes to WWE matches with me, and we were literally in the last row of the arena, and I was like, hey, bro, I'm going to take you to dinner. We're not going to stay for the show. So we left, bro. I didn't stay for the show after Kofi's yeah. match. We went next door to this restaurant, and Kofi ended up texting me after. It was like, hey, you good? Everything cool? And I was like, hey, bro, I ended up leaving because, uh, you know, tickets weren't so great. And he was like, yo, are you still in the city? Let's get together. And we sat and talked tonight, had a really great conversation. But I could tell he was down. He was really uncertain about his future in wrestling. So to see him go from there, to see the formation of the New Day, to see how they were getting booed out of buildings, how they took ownership of that character, turned it into something else, and and the fans, black, white, and everything in between, demanding that Kofi becomes a champion, and then it actually happening. Uh, it was it was rewarding to me both as a fan, somebody who started wrestling, being a fan of the Junkyard Dog, and him never having a moment like that. But as a friend of somebody who I got to see somebody's journey and he was a testament of you just stay the course and keep doing the work. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. It, yeah. it moved me. I, you know, I cried a little bit that night. Like it was, it was powerful for me. Yeah. I cry. I, that's one I remember. I cried so much. And I love how you mentioned like basically everyone for all walks of life, because when I watched, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to go to Mania. I was planning on going this year, but obviously that didn't work out. But, um, I went to a watch party and I was watch party at a bar. And I remember there was this dude, he was this older white dude. who's like in his fifties. He was bawling his eyes out when Kofi won. And I loved the whole formation of it because that makes me give me, gives me hope as like towards wrestling fans at the end of the day, because so many different people came together and was like, no, we are fighting for this. We are pushing him because he deserves it. And I love that because that was the same thing that also happened to Becky Lynch, who was not someone who, despite her being all, being a Caucasian woman, she was not something that was a person that was always pushed to the forefront. Absolutely. And she kind of, she was kind of showed like that you could, despite us, like, you know, being culturally different, I can still see myself in Becky because her be like, no, like I had to really fight to get here and then the same thing with Kofi I was like he had to always be 100% even though he was always good he wasn't showed how get, didn't get a chance to prove how good he was at moments yeah so and I'm always really good at dog so I connected yeah. with both of those stories you know the, the truth is sometimes all you need is a shot all you need is a chance uh, and while I hated the way that they took the belt off of him I just felt like after such a historic run they could have done something that just just made a lot more sense. Yeah. Uh, um, but beyond that, uh, I, I was really proud to see that moment unfold. And I hope we we get to experience more dynamic moments like that. I would love to see an Ali championship. I would love to see so many of these other guys get a shot to shine in the magnitude in which they should. Yeah. Which they should. And that's how I feel. And I'm glad you brought up Ali and he's one of those people. He's so good. And so many people like him, not just him being amazing in a ring, but he's just such a good person and just so well-spoken. I think that's going to be another one. Once he gets back on TV, I think that's going to be another person where everyone's going to be like, no, 
he get no we're pushing him to get his shot and again it's like and that's what I'm also kind of really liking about this like we get to see more of our performers of color especially of Apollo Crews finally winning his first championship and I love how and I remember I was talking to a few of my friends I was like have you looked at the list of champions on WWE and they're like no I haven't looked at it I said go look at that and it's like and at that time we only had two non-people of color who were champions. Every single person on the base, almost majority, 95% of the champions on there were people of color. Most of them were black. And then we obviously, we had like the Oscars and the EOs. And then we had um, Bailey and Sasha. And I was like, do you guys realize this? And I was like, how come nobody's talking about this? I'm like, this is such an amazing time. And now let me ask you this, Nicole. I know you're asking me the questions, but yeah. I mean, on, on the on the guy side, who's your top five right now? And and a tag team can be in your top five. Just your favorites, not necessarily, you know, by Steve any a, show. A, arithmetic or math or anything. But who's your top five? Like just your personal favorites. Who do you light up for when they hit the screen? Um, Apollo Cruz is one of them. I've been screaming about Apollo Cruz for three years, and I won't ever stop. Um, also, I'm a huge fan of the Street Profits. I think I, and they're one of those people, I was like, they need to be on a TV. Like they really need to be on mainstream TV. And I think if they were smart, they would start segueing them and doing crossovers with them, with promotions, with different talk shows. Um, again, Ali, I think he's amazing. Who else do I really like that's a guy? I love Drew McIntyre. I was especially, and I followed him when he left WWE, when he was Drew Galloway, especially when he came back. So I was so um, happy and proud of him. And then who else do I like? Was that three? That was three. That's four. Oh, that's four. I'm trying to think of one more person I really like that I yell about. Another one is Killer Cross. That's my... And that's like another person who I've been following for a few... Basically, I think I, after a year or so after he started, I saw him at an indie show and I was like, this guy's a freaking monster. And I was like, he's just, and he's one of those people, like he's like so captivating. And I was like, he is so amazing in the ring. And I'm also a huge fan of um, Scarlet. And I'm going to put these people on TV too. But yeah, those are like my five guys right now that I'm really like pushing for. Like I love anything and everything about Apollo Crews. And I literally ordered his new t-shirt suits and popped up in my email last night. Oh, yeah. My top five is a little more establishment. Um, yeah. Of course, top of the food chain for me is Kofi. Um, and, you know, and for me, it's a Kofi slash New Day. But Kofi's a standalone top of the food chain for me. Yeah. I was cheering for him by himself before I fell in love with the New Day. Uh, number two for me would be Ricochet. Ricochet is that guy who could be my new GOAT, because Kofi's the GOAT for me. But Ricochet is so phenomenal in the ring. He blows my mind every time he hits the curtain. Uh, number three for me would be the Usos. I love those twins. Oh, man. They're just so freaking amazing. And I've, I've, I've had brief encounters with them at a few events, and they're, they're like, really good, uh, really good sports. They and seem like they're always running at 100. Like, and, and I, I feel like they're always like that. Dad. Like, I met their yeah, dad sure. at an event, and he's the coolest guy. So, you know, I, I, I'm Samoan adjacent now. I'm Samoan adjacent. <laughs> uh, uh, 
Um, they're, they're, the Samoans are cousins. They're our cousins. They're our cousins. Uh, number four for me is a guy who I just think is unbelievably good. He's probably the most underrated guy in WWE, and that is Cesaro. If they don't find a way to put a strap on him and let him have a good run and let him do all the things that he does in the ring, I'm going to go nuts because he's <laughs> unbelievable. And then last but not least, it would be John Morrison. I just – he is some type of special thing to watch in the ring. I was so – so I was, like, the only one out of my friends that was excited for him to come back, and they're like, I don't care about John Morrison. I'm like, why don't you care about John Morrison? And I don't know. Have you watched Lucha Underground, or are you familiar with Lucha Underground? I did. Underground? I watched a little bit the first season, but it was a little too, too thematic for me to stick with it. So anytime I, like, I reference all those people, like, especially on Ricochet, because Ricochet was on there as Prince Puma. Puma yeah. So that's what – that's kind of like my that's my archives and I tell people it's like when they at when they're not like super impressed with them I have my one one of my friends who could not get behind Kyrie Sane as a heel and I was like no go watch her on Lucha Underground when she was part of the Black Lotus triad and I was like and she was dope and she was putting out bangers against um Pentagon Jr. Right. So that's just one of my things. That's like my things. But yes, yeah, so I agree with Cesaro and I feel bad I forget about him sometimes because I feel like he's one of those people that we I don't want to miss the boat. I feel like I don't want us to miss the boat on. No. Because it's like he can't wrestle for forever. Even and though I don't it looks like he can. Like you're good, but it just didn't happen the way we thought it should. Yeah. I, he deserves a good championship run where he's just demolishing guys with an open challenge, he, his, his succession parallel drew McIntyre's. I definitely believe that. Yes, because I, they're, they're one and same to me where they work their way up and they work their way through everything. So they deserve to have that chance as a run. So just to wrap things up, what are you looking forward to the most once everything starts getting back to normal? Like what paper, like what's the first pay-per-view that you, want to see yourself at or show or whatever once everything starts coming back to normal safely um there's a few things one i've never been to a royal rumble i would love to go it's it, it is my favorite pay-per-view to watch on television uh, i've been to a wrestlemania it was a great time i love the pageantry of it all uh, but i would love to go to a royal rumble um i would also like to uh have a, a direct encounter with the street profits uh yes. i too i'm a fan of those guys they are fun to watch, and each week, I think they just get better and better. I'm glad Paul Heyman was a huge fan of those guys and gave them a push because, again, great examples of when you take a chance on somebody and give them an opportunity, they can rise to the occasion if they're ready for the moment. Yes. Um, I'm excited about what my play little brother, Ricky Starks, is about to do over in AEW. Oh, um, I'm so excited. Oh, I love Ricky. I'm so excited yeah, I'm happy for him. him. You know, uh, Ricky and I are really close, uh, and he did not tell me that he was going to debut. He actually wanted to surprise me. And it's crazy because when he's on <laughs> Busted Open Radio with my good friend, my big brother, Mark Henry, um, he was apprehensive if he should tell the people if he you know, had just become a free agent or not. And I told him, I said, listen, I want you to know, don't just tell him you're a free agent. Tell him you're the hottest free agent in the exactly. game. I said, go in there and, and cut yourself a promo and watch what happens. And what happens was that, you know, now he's at AEW and, 
you know, I, I love Scorpio Sky and what he's doing. I hope they find better ways to use him too. But it's great to have another brother who is TV ready, who doesn't just have to do AEW Dark, who can come in there with a great character and shake it up. And, and, um, and since I'm talking about AEW, I really like what they're doing. Um, I, I went to the very first show here in D.C. Um, and I think one of the things that I was excited about when I heard Arn Anderson was over there is that up until recently, I felt like their shows felt way too indie, meaning that when you sometimes when you go to an indie show, it's spot, 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 spot. And you're spot, just like, you're like, whoa, it's a lot going on. Yeah, and so what happens when it's like that there's no story, there's no buildup, there's no psychology. And so if you are giving me Circus Soleil in the ring, what can the people behind you do? And then if the people behind you aren't watching your match, if there's no monitor or anything like that, then they come in. And so I, I was like, okay, if I see one more suicide die, <laughs> I'm going to suicide die. Right. And so I, but I feel like that's being reined in a little bit now. Like the matches are starting to have individual identities. And so having somebody like Ricky Starks who really understands character and who can tell a unique story that doesn't look like anything else on the show that night or on the bill when they do live shows and things, I think it's going to be really great for that company. Um, um, and then beyond that, I'm just excited just uh, to feel the energy of a live show on TV. Like it'll probably, I, I don't know that I'll go to a live match until easily sometimes mid to 2021. I'm not going to be one of these first people to run back out there because I'm looking at what's happening in our country now. Uh, yeah. These numbers starting to spike in these cities where people are starting to be social and, my homeboy Dio Hughley, you know, that did a comedy show down in the red state of Nashville. I mean, of uh, uh, Tennessee, uh, down in Nashville. And you know, I, I don't understand why our comedy club was open. I don't understand. Yeah, why. I thought that was weird too. I was like, how is this comedy club open? Comedy clubs are open down in Florida <laughs> too. Like, I know a couple other comics that have been doing shows, and it's just too much of a contained space for me. Yeah. And so. You, I mean, outdoor comedy shows, sure. Because if you sneeze, hopefully the wind is going to blow your corona sneeze. <laughs> sure. But I, I'm, I'm okay with slow walking this thing back. So um, I just want everybody to be healthy. Uh, I, I like my escapism. I like my pro wrestling. Uh, I love it all. But I want these, I'd rather these guys be alive and the fans be alive than me be entertained. That's how I feel about it. I was like, I'm still going to wait a second before I start popping up at shows. But um, again, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this talk. I did not think I was like, and I think that we were going to go over so many things during this. So I really do appreciate you being open and going about everything for this. So appreciate all the time that you took out to talk to me this afternoon. For sure. And let's do it again. And I love what you guys are doing. You guys are, are creating a lane, and uh, listen, it's great when I'm out and I see people that look like me at shows. Exactly. I look, I do the same thing. I'm like, hey, what's up? <laughs> like, what yeah. section you at? <laughs> so, you know, so it, it, it's good. So keep, keep doing y'all thing, and hopefully we'll have more good professional wrestling to talk about in the weeks and months to come. All right. Thank you All so right, thank much. You. All right, and then we're signing out, and thank you guys for tuning in. Now let me... All right. Thank you guys again for tuning into the count out one of our bonus episode features. Um, also make sure you check us out on Twitter at d- down for 
the actual number four, the count 19. And also make sure you're following us on Instagram at d4tc underscore podcast. All right. Have a good day, guys.